everybody. I hope you're doing well today. You're about to hear a sermon at Laurentian Wesleyan Church in North Bay, Ontario, Canada. Whether you attend our church or are listening for the first time, we sincerely pray this recording is of help to you. And don't forget, it's always better live. Join us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Thanks again for listening. Guys, just thank you again so much for having us today. Um, we felt just very welcomed, and it's just it's great to come into the house of God and be surrounded by Christian brothers and sisters. Probably not many of us know each other at all, and it's just so nice to have that connection that we do share that that same common bond that we love Jesus and that we are His kids, and someday we get to spend eternity together. So that's pretty exciting. So I'll probably see you guys there at some point. So <laughs> um, it's a great uh, it's a great honor just to be able to speak out of God's Word today. And the Lord has been laying um, a message on my heart that's just been so profound over the last few months that it, it's more of um, not a feel-good message completely, but it's not going to leave you leaving here thinking like, oh my goodness, Jason, never have this guy come here again. So um, it, it kind of hits in the middle where it's a good reminder as Christians you know, to evaluate our lives, to look at what are we doing in the kingdom, what are we doing for ourselves, and does that balance out? And to look at what the Holy Spirit's saying to us, it's very, um, it's interesting. I was thinking of with Bob, I knew Bob very well, and, you know, he was a great man of God, and I, I always loved his handshakes, his boisterous smile, you know, just, uh, he was just such an amazing man, and uh, he would always make fun of me all the time in such a fun way, but I was in a band called Ironclad, actually with uh, Sharon and Byron's son-in-law, Jay, and uh, it was a hip-hop band, so this is my younger days. And I was a DJ in that band, and my D- DJ name was DJ Iceman. So Bob just did not like that at all, so he always called me DJ Iceberg. So, <laughs> you know, see me. So I thought that was it's just a, a, a fun reminder that I have of his heart, and uh, definitely to be praying for his family, for sure, in that. I'm uh, at Lakeshore Missionary Church, and I started out doing youth and discipleship. That's kind of the role that... I was brought under, and we started a program called Monday Nights, and maybe some of you have heard of it, but it's not going to be my focus on this, but I just wanted to kind of segue what God has been showing me through this. Um, We've offered a dinner out to the community, the city as a large, and at the beginning of our our beginning of this, um, Steve uh, Chalk was uh, one of the biggest drug dealers in North Bay and radically had his life transformed for the Lord. So he went after all of his old clientele, so all the people that he was selling drugs to and um, trying to, you know, basically connect with in, in negative ways. God really started to transform his heart that he started to show everybody Christ-like love. And the one thing that I remember hearing throughout the Monday nights is I cannot believe that this is real. People were questioning about Jesus and, you know, this love. But the one thing we can't deny is how, how Steve has changed. You know, how there's been this transformation in his life. And so at one point, he'd be beating people up for money, and now he was going to hug them to forgive them. You know, so it's just an amazing transformation what God can do in our lives. Through the Monday night experience, now Steve is not no longer in North Bay, um, we've, we've had two or 300 people overall come through the doors, and we probably have a core group of about 70 people. And the one thing that God just keeps showing me that in my weakness, he is strong. There are so many needs throughout this community and through people. We know that even in our own lives. 
Um, but the one thing that we would just appreciate prayer for, if you guys think of this, is the one common denominator that we see with about 80% of the people coming in, they're battling with some form of mental illness. You know, so they're on different medications for anxiety, for um, di- many different things. And so if you guys could continue just to pray for us in those areas. But what God keeps showing me is that he is big enough. You know, as I'm going through this now, I went into this thinking, okay, we can help everybody. We're going to be able to, you know, create a revival within this, you know, situation. And I still believe God's going to do that. But it's been a lot of small steps. And again, God just keeps telling me, Justin, I am in control. You know, and in, my, in your weakness, I am strong. You know, and it's not a place that I want to be in a lot of the time. I don't like feeling weak. I don't like feeling, you know, that dependency but as this year has been going on, there's no place I would rather be. I'm just seeing it more and more where I want to be dependent fully on God. You know, so when we look at today's message, I want you to think of that in your own life. And it may not be dealing with people from the streets, but it might be things in your own life where you're looking at your finances, your retirement, whatever it would be, you know, where we've put our own strength into it, where we've really focused on areas saying, okay, I feel secure in this area. I feel secure in that area. But to know that if we're dependent on God in everything, suddenly we find a freedom that we're able to move in. And I, I'm so thankful for God's Holy Spirit you know, in our lives to comfort us, but to also partner with us to do the work of God, to be the hands and feet, to be part of the Great Commission. So part of the challenge that I am going to have today is to, that we would evaluate our own lives. It's not to leave here discouraged and say, oh, what am I doing for the kingdom? Or what, you know, maybe I'm not doing enough. So now I feel like, oh, who's he to tell me this? And you know, what am I doing? But the reality of it is to be encouraged to say, God, each day is this new blessing. Each day I'm able to do kingdom work, you know, and it could be as simple as somebody coming into your life that you've never met, that you just say a positive word to, or buying someone a coffee that's in the Tim Horton line and just leaving a message to say, hey, I just wanted you to know God loves you. We don't know how it can impact people. And the one thing that I've learned from Monday night is that the littlest things have meant the most to people who are so broken and so down and out. It's just the smallest act of love that shows them Jesus. And then there's something different with us. And they're like, why do you want to do this for us? You know, I've had that question so many times where, and I used to think like, I don't really have people asking me that. Like, what is it, what's different about me that's going to, that someone's going to want that? You know, and that would be Christ in me. And I wanted that to, to emulate. I wanted people to say, Justin, what's different about you? You know, and I've just realized that it isn't this big elaborate thing. It's just having Jesus within these small moments of loving people well. You know, it doesn't stop just with love. There's discipleship. There's other things that we do, but it's incredible. So if you think of your own life and the people that are in your, in your circles, who can you impact? You know, I'm sure that we all have family members that maybe aren't saved. You know, have we come to a place where we're saying, okay, well, I prayed for them. I think that's kind of it. That's all I can do. But by showing Christ-like love, it impacts in such a powerful way. So today we're going to be looking at Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13. And we're also going to look at Luke 14, uh, 15, verse 24. So in Matthew 25, it's the parable of the ten virgins. And I'm sorry if our translations are the same, but it should be very close. (laughs) 
So the message with the ten virgins, and I, I've really appreciated this because as I'm reading God's parables, I'm going through more and more um, of a study and going in depth with it. I'm realizing, and at one point I kind of thought it was talking about Christians and non-Christians, you know, but the reality of the parables is God is addressing it to the Christians, the body of Christ. So as we read this, as we look at the ten virgins, the one thing that we'll note is that they all knew the bridegroom was coming, you know, we, and so they're very aware of that. They're basically ready for the most part. Some of them weren't as ready as the others, as we'll read. And the one thing that is in common with all of them is that because the bridegroom took such a long time in coming, they all fell asleep. So we'll just read through it and then we'll kind of rehatch a little bit of that. So at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with the lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going to go out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us, and instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the doors were shut. Later, the others also came back. Lord, Lord, they said, open the doors for us. But he replied, truly I tell you that I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. God's word all through the Bible talks about being ready. So when we look at this, the idea of this is, are we truly ready? You know, I think in Philippians 2, verse 12, it says daily we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And I don't think that's something that we often do anymore in a lot of aspects. We have our personal relationship with Jesus. We come to church. You know, we help people when we can. But I believe God's wanting to call us into a deeper fellowship, a deeper relationship with him. Now, it's not about works. And that's not the, the, the basis of the message that I'm going to speak on might sound... Like, the more you do, you know, then you're in that position that you're ready. And that's not what I'm saying. Our heart is what the Lord's looking for. Our heart needs to be ready. So it's looking at a whole picture of, you know, there are works that are involved. Faith without works is dead. We know that's true. You know, if I am to be the hands and feet, and I'm not loving people well, and I'm not forgiving people who have hurt me, there are very stern warnings with that. So we need to also look at those things as well. So we're not works-based. Yet there are still things that God has called us to do. I think of when he's talking to Peter and he says, you know, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. You know, Peter, do you love me? You know, take care of my sheep. There's, there's a message that the Lord is saying within this for all of us. And I love the fact that each day his mercies are new. So even if I haven't been doing these things properly, today is a brand new day. Today is a day that I can do it well. You know, and our heart is to fall in love with Jesus in such a special way you know, that we want to do the Father's work. So it's not a chore list. It's not that I have to read the Bible because that's what good Christians do. You know, it's not that I have to help the homeless or the widows or the orphans because it's what I have to do. What I've learned in my own life is that when I fell in love with Jesus, it became a great joy. His desires became my desires and my desires became his desires. So it's an amazing thing that it just bursts out of you that you want to do the work of God. 
And when you start seeing these things take place, it's incredible. There's nothing I would rather do than being a pastor, than doing these things. But it's not because it's not a pastor's role necessarily. I've learned over the last few years that it really is us as children of God to go out and to do these things. So as we look at the ten virgins, going back to that, and I'm not going to try to rabbit trail too much, so I apologize for that. In our own lives, it's very easy to become drowsy. It's very easy to fall asleep in a lot of aspects. We can easily become distracted. Life has a way of gripping onto us and taking our focus off of God, off the kingdom, and splitting it. So I'm still focused on God in the appropriate times. So Sunday I'm focused on God. And, you know, if someone wants to do a Bible study, I'm focused with God on that. You know, and then if somebody needs help, I'm there and I'm focused on those moments. But the Lord is wanting to take us into a 24-7 relationship where everything we're doing is a part of His kingdom, is a part of Him. You know, so praying doesn't become in sections or compartmentalized in our life. It becomes a 24-hour, we're talking with the Lord in relationship. And when I started doing that, it became such an incredible gift. I was working at Home Depot at the time, and it was very interesting because, and this is probably about four or five years ago, um, I prayed, Lord, give me more opportunity I was a firm believer that I didn't want to take away from my job, and that was really important to me. So I wasn't going to start preaching and then not working. So that was one of the things the Lord really laid on my heart. But I wanted more than what I was doing. So I had just come out of doing a youth center downtown. We had a place called Urban Eden, and we had kids coming out. We had about 200 kids coming at one point, and we were you know, doing events for them. And then we, would, we ended up having a Bible study with about 40 kids in, the, in the, over a year period they were coming out and they were really connecting and a few different things happened and it, it fell apart. And I thought, Lord, this is so hard because this is exactly what I wanted to be doing. God brought me into a place because I needed to work. So Home Depot opened up and I remember working there and, you know, I just thought, Lord, how can I be doing ministry? You know, and he just said, Justin, this is where I placed you. So this is now where I want you to start making your tents, where I want you to start bringing the gospel to this place. And I'll tell you that out of any job that I've ever had, it's the, the greatest place where I ever saw the Lord move. And I worked in appliances, which is just, it's funny, because in that appliance section, through prayer and people coming in, I would literally, during the time, and it was a perfect time period where people were finishing off their orders, it took about a half an hour. And in that time, they would just start opening up. And they would just, and I'm not a guy. I don't think if you looked at me, you'd be like, oh, I, will, I want to tell you my life story, Justin. You know, you look like a trusting face. So I know that's the Lord. You know, a burly guy with a beard, I just, I don't think that's people's first choice. But the reality of what started happening is that people started opening up and talking about their lives. And we started praying for people. I started praying for people in that place. And I actually started to see God moving incredibly. And I just want to share one story with you in that. And the point of kind of going into this is that wherever we are at, God is powerful, God is mighty, and God, His love will shine through us. So in our own lives, it's easy to say, well, I'm not on a podium, and I'm not a missionary, and I'm not, you know, doing these things. But God is saying, I've chosen you for this purpose, exactly where you are today. You are that light in your workplace. You are that light with your friends you know, you are that light with your family. And, and doing that, it's an incredible gift that God gives us. 
So I had a lady come into appliances, and I'm not charismatic at all, so I don't want you to think like, oh my goodness, like what is this guy saying? But sometimes God brings us out of our comfort zones in incredible ways where it's like that only had to have been God because that was not my desire or my will. So this lady had come in, and she was just sitting there, and she was kind of opening up a little bit about her life, not very much, and the Lord just spoke into my heart so deeply to tell her, and this is like just how God's doing this because there's no way I'm just going to randomly say, hey, I just feel this for your life. I don't know if she's a Christian. I'm not sure her life story. I don't really know her. I know her now, which is funny because she married a Christian guy and her life is, it's amazing to see what God's done in it. Um, But in this story, God just said to me, Justin, I want you to tell her that she's making an Isaac, uh, sorry, an Ishmael and an Isaac choice and she's not going to choose my best. And I thought, Oh, she's not even going to understand that, I don't think. So I just I explained that to her. And I said, you know, you're, you're making this decision. And I just gave her the reference of Isaac and Ishmael and just kind of went through, you know, what that was. And I said, you're making a decision right now that isn't God's best choice for your life. And she just started bawling, like just crying and crying and crying. So I'm still in Home Depot in the appliance section now talking to her about this. And now my boss and a few other people are starting to look and they're thinking like, what is going on here? So she started opening up about how in her life she had wanted a baby for so long and she wanted to be married and these things just didn't happen for her. And she was praying and she was just, so she, she did indicate that she was a Christian at that point. And she just, she was planning on going down to Toronto to be artificially inseminated with a baby. And so she was actually about a week before she was supposed to do this. I just said, you know, God is telling me honestly that in this situation, he has a better plan for you and this isn't what you're called to do. You know, so it was an amazing thing. Now the Holy Spirit started to move in this little appliance section and God's peace and love just filled up that place. And what was interesting was I had a coworker who was an atheist and I had a coworker who was probably getting ready to retire. She was 65 and I had witnessed to her a few times and she was in her life, um, she had some really hard experiences with Christianity and was very turned off from, from a personal relationship because all she understood was religion and people had hurt her. Well, they both started to feel this love well up in this appliance section. So it was incredible what God was starting to do. So this lady who was planning to get the artificial insemination didn't do it. So she believed that, yes, this isn't the right decision. And a year later, she met her husband and they had a baby. You know, I just think, Lord, you're so amazing how you meet with us in the circumstances that we're in, even when we're not in the right places. You know, she was planning to do something that was out of God's will, and God's love still picked her up in that moment and said, I want you to hear this from me. Now, the two people that I worked with both couldn't explain what they had felt, and I got to go out for a coffee with the the gentleman who was an atheist, and it opened him right up to believe because he couldn't explain what he had felt you know, within him, within himself. And this other lady who was so hurt from the church, she said, Justin, I actually understand what you mean now by God's love. You know, and I thought, Lord, you're so amazing. Now, I'm not anything special. And just being willing is what the Lord's asking us to do. So there's opportunities in our lives that God is saying, are you willing? And that's what I really would liken this to with the virgins who were ready and the ones that weren't. They all believe that the bridegroom is coming. We all believe that Jesus is coming. But are we drowsy? Have we fallen asleep? Now, I'm not giving you a message today to say, open up these doors and bring in all the street people and that's your ministry. It's not maybe what God's called you guys to do. 
And that's okay. But in our own lives, sometimes I wonder, and I know in my own life, there was many years where I wasn't even asking God. I wasn't saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to do today for you? It's easy to ask God for the things that I need. If I'm in a circumstance or situation that's difficult, it's easy to be talking with them or having that time. When things are going really well, sometimes it can be challenging to be like, Lord, okay, I need to focus on you because I'm getting caught up in all these things of this world. The reality that God wants is to meet us where we are, and this will be the one point that I keep going over and over, is He wants to meet us where we are, and He wants to use us mightily through His power. It's not by our strength. It's not by our ability. It's not our, even our giftings that God has given us, but it's through Him, through His Holy Spirit, that we are able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we would even ask Him. I love that truth. But then it just comes down to this simple fact, do I choose to believe that? Because it's so easy to get caught up in these things where it's like, I can't do it because of this. I want to do this, but that's not who I am. It's Christ in us. So how does that shine? And that's the good news today for Christians, that we're able to accomplish more than we could ever accomplish. I know that with the Holy Spirit, our ability takes us here, but the Holy Spirit takes us to here. And all we have to do is be willing to say, Lord, would you use me? Is there somebody that I can talk to? And I promise you that if you ask him, he will take you up on it. I was at a, uh, a shut-in um, for senior women's. So none of them were able to go out. And there was probably about 10 of them. And the question, I gave a similar message. This is probably a few years ago. And they all basically said to me, Justin, like, you know, you know the state we're in. We can't go out. We can't really do anything. And they were, they were in a senior's home. Like it was, um, it was a place, but none of them had the ability to go to church anymore. None of them were able to really connect. Um, there was disabilities. There was things going on. And the beauty of this is I said, who in this place, and this is all God just laying this on my heart, who in this place do you know is probably one of the hardest people? Yet you may not even want to be around. And they all smiled at the same time. And I actually will never forget that. And they all knew one man who they did not want to be around because of his attitude. He was so angry, so staunch, just not a, not a nice fellow whatsoever. And I said, can you guys still bake? Can you guys still make cookies? Can you guys still do these things? And like, oh yeah, we have a group that we do that, you know, in this facility. So I said, what would it look like if you guys were able to just bless him over and over and over? And you know what they did? The next time I went there, he absolutely could not stand what was happening through this love. Now, inside of him, I'm sure God was doing an amazing work. But these ladies kept blessing him, and he was angry. He's like, why are you guys giving me food? Why are you guys giving me cookies? I mean, I would not argue with that. Even if I was an angry person, I'd be like, sure, that's totally fine, but I'll still be angry. <laughs> but what happened with them is that they started to get into a place where God started to work in this man's heart. And they had a little church that they had within. So every Sunday, this church would come down. And after about two months of this, where they just kept blessing him and blessing him and blessing him, this man came down to the church. And this man, through the love that they showed him, accepted Jesus. And I thought, at that, at that stage of his life, what else would have reached this man who shut the whole world off? And think of what they used. They used what they could do. Their ability. So they gave cookies. They gave their love. And they kept blessing this man until he came to that place of realizing there's something different with them. So he probably gained 20 pounds too, but... <laughs>
But it's amazing to think that, guys, our ability is not what God's looking at. He's looking at our hearts and he's looking at being able to, to, for him to work through us. And there's so many times in my life, especially with Monday nights, where I just say, Lord, this is so far out of my ability. This is so far out of my realm of giftings. And it's like, God, I just need you. And he keeps reminding me, Justin, in your weakness, I am strong for all of us. I, don't, I do not have the degree to do what I'm doing. I do not have the training to do what I'm doing, but I do have the Holy Spirit and I do have the name of Jesus. And I will tell you that I'm seeing lives transformed and it's not because I'm, it's not because of me, you know? And I love the fact that it's, it's totally because of God. We look at the virgins, the ones that weren't prepared went away to get prepared. And when they came back, so I believe this is really showing us something very, um, very good as a warning that the Lord will come like a thief in the night. We don't know when he's going to be coming. But to daily work out our salvation with fear and trembling means that we're always in relationship with him. We're thinking about it. We're making sure that our hearts are right before him. And it's, again, not that tally list. If I do 10 things properly, so if I'm going to read my Bible for two hours now instead of 20 minutes, you know, I'm going to do more devotions now in the week. Now, all these things are great. And if God's leading your heart to do those things, do it. But it's not what he's looking for. He's looking for that heart relationship to come into that personal relationship. It's the difference of knowing of God or knowing God. And this is the one thing, again, that I would say that, you know, if I, and I'll, I don't know why I always use Donald Trump as my example, but it just seems to always go that way. But if, if I saw Donald Trump on the street, and I went running up to him, and I'm like, hey, you're the president of the United States. How are you doing? You know, I'd like to come over and go golfing with you. Would you be okay with that? He'd be like, I have no idea who you are. I'd probably be dragged off by Secret Service. But the reality of if I know him, so that would be if I know of him, but if I know him, I can come up and say, hey, Donald, how are you doing? I don't know if I'd want to hang out with him, but I'm just saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd be like, hey, let's go golfing next Wednesday. And he'd be like, absolutely. It's kind of the same idea, and this is probably the analogy I should have used. I don't know why I do that one, but if you came into a kingdom and the king was sitting on his throne and I went running in and I said, oh, it's so good to see you. And I jump up on his lap and I put my arm around him. I'm like, I'm really hungry. I'd really like some food. Now, if this king does not know me, I am going to be in trouble. You know, like I'm not supposed to be there. I violated his personal space. I'm now demanding food or asking for food. But think of it this way. Because we know Jesus, I can go into that kingdom as a son or a daughter. And the reality is I can go up to my dad who is the king and say, I am so thankful to see you. I can sit in his lap. I can put my arm around him. He will put his arm around me. And he will say, son, what can I get for you? And I can say, Lord, I'm hungry. He's, oh, everything is yours. This is the amazing inheritance that we have with God. So for me to sit there and say, as a son, sitting on his lap saying, do I really have to spend time with you? You know, I can give you 20 minutes, but we would be so enthralled to spend every moment with our dad. And it really is a good reminder for all of us that this is our King of Kings, our Abba Father, that wants to bring us into his arms and spend time with us. You know, and he's not saying, well, are you good enough? Did you do these things properly? And then I can love you well. I love the honest truth in this, that God's love 
at my worst to my very best. And I want you to think of that. There's things, and I don't mean go back into your mind and think of the worst possible thing you could have said, done, or thought. But we all have those moments. To the very best, proudest moment, we would say, God, I was so on fire and so shining for you in this moment. You know, His love does not change for you from spectrum to spectrum. Think of that. So at any point, if you're ever thinking, oh, Lord, like, how can you love me? His love doesn't change for us. You know, He wants to take us deeper. He wants us to grow and to be more like Jesus. But I love the fact that our Father, the King who sits on the throne, loves us and wants that relationship with us. So if we start seeing it from that perspective, then suddenly it changes everything because then it's not because I have to do these things right. I often tell the people on Monday nights, and I love this truth, that our faith, our belief, and our truth is that, and we're the only religion that does this, every other religion, and I don't even like saying religion, but our personal relationship with Jesus, this is the only one that we don't have to climb up the ladder, so doing everything right, being perfect, having the right everything, and then we make it to our Savior. Ours is the only one where Jesus comes down the ladder and meets us exactly where we are and escorts us up ring by ring. And I just think that is such an awesome truth to know. So having relationship with Jesus means we're not doing it on our own. The Holy Spirit in our lives is the key to all of this. And a lot of times when we're looking at what the Holy Spirit is, we think, well, yeah, the Holy Spirit's there. And it's beautiful. And I could do a whole sermon on that, so I'm not going to jump too far into that. But I want you to think of this. You know, when we look at the men in the Bible who would have walked with, with God and with Jesus, we would have thought, oh my goodness, what was it like to be in God's presence? You know, thinking of just seeing his, his robe flowing. And we'd be so enamored and excited about that. Or walking with Jesus, seeing miracles and seeing these different things. They'd be like, oh my goodness, what was that like, we would say, to be in those situations. And I really believe that now, if we were in that conversation, they would say, okay, that was great, but what is it like to have God living inside of you as the temple of the Holy Spirit? What would that be like? Because their temple was very different, and God chose to come and live in us. You know, which means, and this is so exciting, so when we start questioning, am I good enough? Am I able? Is my ability strong enough? When God gave us the temple of the Holy Spirit inside of us, If Jesus was still here and the Holy Spirit hadn't come, if you needed to talk with him or if you needed a miracle, you would have to jump on a plane. You'd have to fly somewhere. You'd have to get out, take a convoy to where he was at, ask him your one question after 3,000 other people are probably there wanting to ask that same question. You would get your answer and or healing, and then you would go back to life. But the reality of what the Holy Spirit did for us is that now I am in constant communication with God in a special way. Now I can pray and see healings, have people, you know, um, be touched by the Lord in special ways because of that Holy Spirit in us. So when we come to that place of wondering, can I do it? No, you can't. But through the Holy Spirit, yes, you can. Through Christ, through Jesus, you can. Now, because I've probably gone to my max here, I don't want to go too, too long. Um, I was going to go into Luke 14, 15, and 24, but... Um, I would just encourage you guys this week, and I, I'll just read through it quick. I won't go too far onto it. Um, but it was another standout parable to me. As you're going through Matthew and Luke, there's some amazing parables that you can check out. And they all seem to have that same consistency as Christians. 
you know, are we ready? Is our heart in that place? When the King of Kings comes, it's not going to be like, oh, I should have done this and I should have done that. It's going to be like, Lord, I've been waiting for you. I'm ready for you. You know, and we're excited for that. So the parable of the great banquet, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat and feast with the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had it, that he had invited, come for everything is now ready. <coughs> but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married and I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys and towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done but there is still room. <coughs> then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. There's many reasons that people give why we can't come to the banquet, why we can't spend that time with the Lord. And I don't know if I would argue, in a sense, when I see what they're saying, it doesn't stand out to me as, oh, that's just horrible. You know, you're not coming to the banquet because you just got married. You know, we would look at that and say, oh, I understand that. You know, but there's a reason why the Lord is using these examples. Someone had bought an ox, and there's things that he got that he had to go try out because his life, his livelihood, those things were needed. So there was a reason where he could justify it. But there is a truth in this that we need to be careful not to allow things in our lives, situations in our lives, circumstances in our lives, even issues, things that we are out of control. It could be sickness. It could be ailments. Those kind of things not to become bigger than sitting in that special place with our God, with the Master in this scenario, and to have that time of fellowship with Him. We need to guard that. As a closing note, that is what I would like to say for all of us, to look at our lives and to say, Am I guarding that time with the Lord? Yes, there's going to be many things in our lives that want our, our attention. There's going to be many things in our lives that will distract us. But it's always good, and as I would say, that this is more of an alarm to go off where we walk away saying, okay, maybe I do need to make a change here. Maybe I do need to look at where I'm putting my time. Am I putting enough effort into my relationship with Jesus? I would say that to myself every day because I do. <laughs> so it's not me sitting up here saying it to you. This is an area that the Lord has really laid on my heart heavily in these last days to make sure that I'm in that great place with the Lord as much as I can. I'm not perfect at it. There's things that rob my attention, but I have to come back and say, God, I need to put you first. So in your lives today, think of that. So the two parts of this would be that. And the second part would be who can you impact in your circle not through your own strength, but who are you able to touch? Who are you able to love well? Who are you able to bring the gospel message to? And ask God for that opportunity because he will bring it. I'll just close in prayer for that part. Father God, I love you and I thank you so much for this opportunity to come here today. God, we are all your, your sons and daughters and I thank you, Father, that you love us so well. To picture you as the King of Kings, 
and you would just call us by name to come running into your arms, Lord Jesus. I am so thankful that that is who you are. Lord, you know the circumstances and the situations that we all face, and I know that as we've been going through your word today, there's many things that will come to mind. There's people that you would lay on our hearts. And what I would pray today, Father, is that you would not allow us to leave here the same. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just give us a greater desire to fall more in love with you, Jesus. That you would give us a greater desire for the lost and the ones who don't know you in our own circles. And God, that fear would have no hold on us that as we step out of our comfort zones to say, God, I I choose you today, even though this is hard for me, even though my own ability isn't this, but I know that in my weakness, you're strong and you will give me the words to speak. So Lord, whatever that looks like, I pray that God, you would give us creativity in that and that Lord, you would just continue to speak to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you have equipped us for your service, Lord, that we are your hands and feet. And that again, it's not about our own ability or our own strength. It's just being obedient and saying, Lord, I choose you rather than being comfortable. I choose you rather than staying in my comfort zone. I choose you, Lord Jesus, in this situation that I've prayed for this person so many times. And even at times it feels like nothing's going to change. But that's going to make me pray even more. Thank you that you hear our prayers, Lord. Thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. And thank you for your Holy Spirit. In your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. It's our prayer that you would discover the love, joy, and purpose found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to hear from you, or better yet, why not visit us? You can find out more about our church at our website, LaurentianChurch.com. Laurentian Wesleyan Church. Following Christ. Growing